Hey Kurt, this is Richard Wilson from Mad Shelley Films, and we have a message for you. This, this is, is Mad Shelley Films, and, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto Radio. Because you're saying such wonderful stuff here, so so ladies and gentlemen, we're back with uh, Spencer McCall. You've heard him on other uh, other podcast episodes where we hung out at Dupars, and I just stretched out the um, interview over the course of a few episodes. And now that Dispatches from Elsewhere has come out and available on AMC, um, we can talk about now. Um, back when you guys heard it, he was talking about the process of what it was like to make the Institute documentary into a television show. And I think back then it, there was just a possibility that Jason Segal was interested. And um, now we're, we're on the other side of this. So it's, it's really cool. Now, so, gosh, this is like, so Spencer, is it crazy to see like the, the various reactions in, uh, to dispatches from elsewhere now in, in this form of it you know first you saw the batch of 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 how people interacted with the institute now you see that it's sort of given a little bit of a different camouflage um and now you get to see how all these other interactions are with it as in a in a tv show series format yeah absolutely it's like this weird art that um kind of dying and then gets reborn you know, it has a whole bunch of different lives and has a whole bunch of different caretakers that, that come along and kind of be, become the stewards of this universe, which has been so fascinating. You know, it started off as the, the Jejun Institute, which was, you know, an actual experience that this, uh, you know, motley crew of, of people stumbled into and discovered and came together and, and formed a family around. And that ended up inspiring a whole bunch of different little, little communities. And then... Jason comes along and, you know, basically becomes another, well, and then, I guess in a sense, I and the, and the, the people, the filmmakers who helped with the Institute, we became a steward of the story for a little bit and interpreted it in, like, our way. Um, and then Jason comes along and is like, you know, can I be the steward of this, of this world for a little bit? And it's like, absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, he creates... The, the show and, and that no doubt creates its own kind of community just in the production of the show but then what was really fascinating um, to see was that uh, basically um, after Dispatches came out on AMC um, there was this whole new community that formed and, and showed up and, and totally brand new people um, who you know, maybe they saw at the beginning of, of each episode, like, you know, based on the documentary, uh, the Institute, and then realized, oh my, wait a minute, like, this story is crazy. How is this based on a documentary? How is, this, <laughs> is this real? And then they all kind of started finding each other online because it was during COVID, and were like, what do you know about this? What do you know about this? And there were maybe like um, one or two, you know, like Captain King um, was a old Gen 1 Jijun person, and he came along and kind of like helped explain some stuff. And, and then it kind of became um, this, this new community that's really great. And they ended up kind of like creating their own, their own experience um, called Crystal 
uh, Inc. And so Christor, C-O-R-Y-S-T-O-R-E, Inc., I-N-C, dot com, where they basically um, figured out how all of these different things, these different properties and, and experiences and, and stories all kind of tied together. And they created, like, a grassroots, um, I don't want to say cinematic universe, but, like, in the way that all the Marvel movies are kind of connected to each other, or you can even make the argument that all the Pixar movies or the Tarantino movies are all connected to each other. They basically, like, wrote how this world is so much bigger than just any one of these parts. And that's a community that still seems to be going really, really strong to this day, and it's just incredible to see. And, and now they're creating their own, like, you know, experiences. and. Yeah, it's just been, it's been a trip to see, like, to just help to, you know, light a couple sparks or at least fan the flames of this fire and then see it kind of turn into a wildfire over the last few months. Um, you know, whether that would happen with or without COVID, I don't know, but it was a great way, you know, because a lot of people have been feeling so isolated right now, it was just a great way for them, for people to meet new people and come together and and it's, yeah, it's also just a place of like pure positivity and encouragement and curiosity. Whereas like so much of the rest of the internet is just people, you know, yelling at each other or saying mean things or making accusations, uh, you know, stuff like that. This was this community that's like just legit. <laughs> that's the best way I can put it. And so it, it's mind-blowing and it's it's inspiring and um yeah and i'm just grateful so so the people who got together for this new sort of uh um uh metamorphosis of of you know, sort of uh, the combination of what was going on with the institute, and then and then um, the the additional the additional stuff that's in dispatches from elsewhere. Um, you were saying that some of the the first generation folks with the Jejun Institute are are th- they came together, and are they sort of are they, are, is it sort of like a, a Frankenstein of those people mixed with the the new the newcomers uh, to dispatches from elsewhere, and they're making stuff. That's a great question. Not really. It's funny. It, it's kind of like it's kind of like the Olympic torch a little bit, where um, where each iteration of this is like a brand new group of people who hold the torch. Um, that said, with this, there was when when a lot of people watching dispatches realized this was real. Um, there was like one individual in particular, a guy named Captain King. Um, that's not his actual name, but if you look him up online, I'm sure you can find some stuff about him. Uh, he basically came in and said, hey guys, here's the, here's the scoop, and here's what I know, and kind of gave, guided them briefly, and then, you know, was sort of like, alright, go beyond with you, <laughs> you know? But, um, no, it was like each iteration of this is a new kind of um, torchbearer, and and the people in the past have had their experiences with it and moved on to other things, or at least hopefully moved on to other things. And, and yeah, that's kind of how it's been. So it's just been wild. <laughs> So the so the folks who who kind of uh, the torch was passed on to the the, the folks who found out about um, all this all this crazy razzmatazz through uh, dispatches from elsewhere, though are 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 they? Am I right? Like I'm 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 getting the idea that are 
so they're they're doing the alternate reality game like there's they're still keeping up with that same type of me mentality so to speak with like the the uh, you know like little games that are out there in the, in the physical world and you have to talk to this person for this clue or that person for that clue is that type of stuff what is what's absolutely. happening absolutely absolutely uh, and then you know myself and, and Jeff Cole who's the original creator of, of, of all of this uh, had a whole bunch of like swag left over. I don't want to say swag. I mean, I think more like ephemera and artifacts. And um, basically, when he saw this new community, um, he just shipped it all out to different quadrants of the earth and said, you know, here, here is the reward for you being able to create your own experiences and here is the gift that you can pass on to others. And so, you know, all like you know, there's hundreds of these people, and not all of them, but the people that were most into it got these packages recently, and a set of instructions to be able to gift um, this stuff all over the world. You know, some are in the court Ireland, and the East Coast, and Germany, and it's it's pretty astonishing, actually. So, um, yeah, so that was that's something that's kind of going on as we speak right now. Wow, this is great. And what's what's the name of this new iteration again? What's the what's the title of it? Um, the, the best title I can see, well, there's a couple. There's the Verilese Bridge Society, so B-A-R-E-L-S-E, Bridge Society. But then there's also Crystorinc.com, which is kind of the rabbit hole, and that's C-R-Y-S-T-O-R-E-I-N-C.com. And from that, you can kind of, like, learn more about how dispatches in the Institute and now, like, in Riatium, um are all kind of connected and part of the same world, which was something that we hadn't necessarily fully intended, but it's something that this new community has written the narrative and connected the dots in the way that they saw fit, which is really cool. Oh, this is great. So you've been able to tie in in Bright Axiom into this whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, I had this other film, too, called, uh, originally called The Esquire, and then we changed it to Grandview Boulevard, um, and it was kind of this narrative fan. Uh, it, it's funny, it's, it's like the equivalent of, um, of like, I'm not comparing myself to, to George Lucas or anything, but it's like the equivalent of if like George Lucas now decided to go make a fan, a Star Wars fan film, and you know just release it for free. Um, and so basically, I created that and uh, sort of just in the same way that Jeff gave all of the artifacts to the community, I sort of just gave this film to the community, and they had the great idea of like, okay, yeah, it's free, but. Um, you know, maybe we do donations, and those donations go at least in part to charities, um, like around uh, around the world. Because right now we're living in a, a time where charities need a lot of help, and um, so it's, it's really about giving back, um, and not really even giving back, but just improving the world and making the world a better place. And it's just incredibly charitable and, and philanthropic, and um, yeah, and. Amazing. Which is beautiful because it keeps right in, in theme with the Institute. The Institute, like, I just love the fact that it was like, look, we're not expecting anything from you except you to, to your participation and to grow your genius. You know, we're just asking you to just 
Just grow your genius, grow your imagination, you know, participate in, in utilizing the talents that you've always had. And, uh, and we promise you that we've got a home here to, to encourage and to grow the, that. And it, it was great because, um, for those those ideas and those philosophies to come across in dispatches from elsewhere to show, look, here's this person who just created this whole thing to, to get people to collaborate with each other again, to 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 reciprocate and, you know, the whole give and take type of thing. And, um, you know, even though this person might be an expert in that area, well, that they're, they're an expert in that area. That means that these people over here have this, all these areas that they have, you know, deeply uh, done their deep dives into. So that means that they've all also got important information that we can learn from and the fact that that everybody is um, um, learning this whole collaborative and cooperative aspect I think is brilliant because so many times right now we're hearing we're hearing about we're hearing a lot of screaming and yelling about what's missing what we need to bridge the gap between here and there but when we realize is that you know the the, the 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 microcosm aspect of it of bridging a gap is simply finding connections between people, finding um, the you know how to collaborate with one another and um, to appreciate one another's uh, talents and passions and go okay cool let's let's build together let's grow together and yeah absolutely and and that there doesn't actually need to be like any form of central leadership for that to happen you know um, when people are in that flow state it just all comes together and makes sense. And, you know, um, it just kind of works. It's, it's a- really awesome. It really is awesome because it's not about a competition. Even though there's a game happening, it's beautiful because you've you've taken all the power out of like, you know, usually people associate with games, they're associating competition, us versus them. I got, you know, in your face, I got to beat this team and, you know, we're better than you guys. But what's, what, what really the basis of a game is, is how to collaborate with one another, how, how to, you know, how do we solve this together? How do we become the Sherlock Holmeses together and figure this thing out? And it's so cool because you're bringing it right back to that, that fun playfulness of going, it's a game, you know, life is a game, uh, play like it's clay, lighten up, you know, how do we, how do we enhance the imaginations? And, oh, it's just so cool because you're right. When people are so excited about being in that satisfaction and that flow state of, of connecting the dots and the epiphanies and those are the cheapest thrills in, in the world is having an epiphany. You're like, what? I just solved it. What? I just found the key to this this lock. Like, holy cow, I just opened up another door. Oh my God, now we can all celebrate. And it just feels so good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny because I still, I mean, Jeff has a lot of opinions on it, um, but like I'm still unclear, I guess, how you can define what a game is. But the best I can kind of do is that there, there are stakes for either individuals or teams, you know. And the difference with this is that um, I don't know if necessarily there there is like a win-lose stake so much as like. This is about discovering things. So the closest game and, and play, and like, is play necessarily a game? You know, mm, not always. Mm-hmm. Like p- playing house or playing a tea party. Uh, you know, that's not necessarily there aren't big lose stakes to that. But you're playing. Mm-hmm. But if we had to put it in, in terms of like win or lose, it's I guess the best game metaphor I can think of is almost like hide and seek. Um, but you're not going to find the, the hidden thing or person 
unless you all come together and, and work together. Um, and so there, there is no enemy. And the person you're, or thing you're trying to find is not bad. It's just the, the catalyst that inspires you to all explore and discover together. So in some ways, I think of it, um, especially in my new film, um, in Redaxium, it's like, it's almost a little bit more like... Um, going through a, a guided museum, right, you know, mm-hmm. and there are obstacles in the way, things that I suppose you need to solve or overcome, um, but, yeah, I don't know, it, it's hard, and, and I think there's probably scholars on, on game theory and, and narrative that would be able to explain it better, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how I've approached it. It's really interesting. So, so with dis- dispatches from elsewhere, there are you know obviously some 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 differences in what's going on now. Did um, did Jason Segal? How much were you guys included? You and Jeff Hull. How how much were you guys included with the process of what he had been going on? You know with, that he had growing in his brain. How how much were you guys included <laughs> in that? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, initially this was probably about five years ago when Jason reached out to, to me about like not necessarily even like getting the rights or wanting to do anything with Wish Me June, uh, he just sort of wanted to meet. And so I invited him up to San Francisco, and um, we actually invited him into the Latitude Society, which in Bright Axiom is about. And I think that that became a humongous inspiration for him. I mean, like, you can kind of see it like in episode 10 of, of Dispatches. Uh, and so he was very, very inspired and said, okay, uh, I, I want to do this. Uh, you know, flash forward about five years or four years or so, and you know, it finally looks like he's he's got EMC on board. And at that time, I think Jeff was um, a little bit more involved than I was, like in the actual uh, show development and stuff. And he was on as like a consultant, and um, and for me, I was basically um, kind of there to help answer questions, and uh, I mean, also like in an unofficial capacity, being a consultant and, and saying, oh yeah, this is kind of what this means or this is what this means and, and helping kind of guide uh, at least the directions that they wanted to go in. Um, and then as we got closer and production was actually like uh, happening, then uh, I got to be much more involved uh, both like, you know, uh, being on set and, uh, you know, doing little walk-ons and, and having a couple like little appearances and and then helping to like kind of guide it, I guess, after that. So to be honest, I mean, it's really, at the end of the day, it was really, like I said, Jason kind of becoming the steward of this. And we were there to help pass the torch and make sure it stayed lit. But, you know, it was was really his his to nurture and to build at that point. And that's kind of the point of, of all of this. Is the idea that like what if there was an IP or something like <laughs> like Star Wars or, or Marvel or whatever? But the idea was like we're not making these movies. Like this is for you to to do what you will with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of the the idea, or at least this is here to inspire you to I don't know, become a superhero <laughs> or a Jedi or whatever. Um, however you want to interpret it, I suppose. Yeah, because it, it is interesting, because every single person does, uh, you know, does have their superpower, so to speak, and um, it is cool how, based on the kind of, the, the way that, um, 
in dispatches from elsewhere, I like there, you know, there are those scenes where everybody is kind of, they, they find their own tribe. They're walking around with a particular color that's uh, on their card and they're looking for their other, you know, their other teammates, so to speak. And it's interesting because within the team that's formed with, with uh, the characters on the show, they then would split off into their own little teams. So it was always interesting to see how these, just, just like with a video game, like I, I, I grew up playing like the, uh, the Lucasfilm games, the Maniac Mansion and Zack McCracken. Um, and so it was always interesting to see, okay, based on what team you put together here, how are these two characters going to work with each other? This guy, you know, um, is really good at picking locks, and that guy over there is really good at walking quietly because he's barefoot all the time. And, you know, okay, how do we use this? And so it was interesting on the show how you'd see new revelations pop up between the characters based on who was hanging out with who at the time. Um, totally. I mean, it's sort of like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. you know, in, in that sense. Um, and I've been lucky enough to get to, you know, work with and, and hang out with uh, Luke Gygax, who's scary as Oh, my God. Wow. Awesome guy and just a genius at all of this. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of after the fact, but I, I ended up learning a lot from, from him and, and that whole crowd as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been crazy. Wow, and no kidding. I mean, the Institute, everything you do with that and in Bright, in, in Bright Axiom, those are basically role-playing games. You know, people might as well have dice in their hands and go, okay, roll this for, you know, to cast this spell or to cast that spell, or are you going to find the secret door? Uh, but, you know, you know that you're not going to find the secret door unless you first roll for it. See, that's the funny thing about the whole oxymoron of the thing is that there, there could be the, all these little secret doors hidden within the secret doors that, that have this all these great little surprises and, and little cabinets to open and, and little things to solve, but you're never going to get those unless you first believe in the possibility that a secret door might even exist and then you roll for it, you know? So it's like, it's it's just beautiful cause, because it's with more discovery, um, then, then more things are then presented then, you know? And it's like... Oh, it's such a fun thing. It's so cool, which brings me to... Okay, so Dispatches from Elsewhere, that takes place in uh, uh, Philadelphia, and the girl, the missing girl's name is Claire. For the Institute, that's in San Francisco, and the missing girl's name is Eva. Now, with Eva, um, how much of what was going on with Claire... Because in the Institute, we, we see little hints and, and, and little seasons of Eva here and there. Um, and I, I don't get the feeling that too, too many people really figured out the, the, the big mystery of Eva or what was behind that. Now, um, uh, one of the things I got to ask here is how much of the material that you guys planned for Eva, how much of that was reflected within Claire? Did, did Jason ask you about that or did you go, okay, no, you, you can kind of create your own mythos here? Um, I think it was more the latter, like you can create your own mythos here. That's that he did ask quite a lot about Eva and I think what he wanted to do was kind of honor Ava because Ava, Lucian, uh, evolution, uh, you, can, you can think of, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a fun play. Oh, I love it. But uh, uh, Ava, the thing with Ava is that um, she was an amalgam of a few different people that just actually knew growing up who really, really inspired him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think Jason kind of wanted to honor that, uh, even though he's few people that are that Ava's the amount of like none of them were called named Ava. Uh, I think Jason wanted to uh, you know honor that. And so there are a lot of similarities uh, between Ava and Clara, Clara Torres, um, so Clara T Clarity. 
Are you and Jeff currently concocting some new uh, some new fun scenarios for the populace? Um, maybe. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I am working on a few different other projects right now, just independently. Uh, that I'm really excited about. I can't can't really talk too much about them other than I can't about one, which is a documentary on dog cloning. Uh, Dude, I I was gonna ask you about the dog cloning. I'm so glad that you brought. I'm so glad to hear this. I'm so happy to hear this. This yeah, is good. I told you about it. Yeah, um, I'm working with some really talented producers um, in LA nonfiction who have done some great dogs in the past. Uh, and working with them on uh, bringing this dog cloning doc to reality. Um, I've got the permission to use uh, like, you know, hundreds of hours of footage, and uh, it's, it's a really wild story. But the difference with how I'm approaching this versus you know, the Institute or Inbred Acting or even um, Grandview Boulevard is like, the challenge here is like, uh, let's do the most objective, honest uh, story we can. Let's not play with the medium. Let's not, you know, and, and the point of the other things was not to mislead anybody, but was to get them to question what was real and what wasn't. That mm-hmm. was the point of the film. But with this, it's such a crazy kind of like Tiger King-esque story that um, it doesn't need any <laughs> embellishment or anything like that to make it right. Uh, r- really nasty. Right. It, it makes, that makes total sense. It's like, it's all, you know, it's all just, it's ju- just the reality of it is going to make people question it in itself. They're going to be like, okay, wait, is this a Twilight Zone episode? Is this a Ripley's Believe or Not thing? Is this real? You know, and it, which is kind of fun because knowing, knowing, you know, your track records of being able to kind of, you know, put some, put some plants in there is 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 great because for this documentary it's like oh no no this is really actually what's going on uh, believe it or not it's uh yeah. it's so cool and, and i think maybe i, I painted myself into a 
corner with some of the stuff I've done in the past where it might be inevitable that somebody's going to watch it and be like, this isn't real, these are all actors. But, uh, you know, that in itself is the rabbit hole of, like, well, just Google it. See if there yeah. are, you know, articles from 20 years ago about this, you know, and uh, you'll be uh, either pleasantly surprised or uh, pleasantly confused or unhappily confused. <laughs> Oh man! So how do you? I mean, is th- is this from your um, from meeting Jeff Hull? I mean, did, would you say that your your beginning works on on you know the institute? And you said originally you were you were you know this this billionaire had had talked to you about dog cloning. So I assume that this is somehow connected with this. Would you say that? Um, that was the beginning to you being introduced to a whole bunch of new you know, out, I guess, outlandish assignments? Well, actually, dog cloning came well before, um, well before my introduction to Shijun. Um, yeah, I mean, we were trying to launch a dog cloning company right as the recession started, and, uh, you know, that's kind of one of the first things that, even if you're a bajillionaire, you kind of, you know, put the kibosh on spending a bunch of, like, $150,000 on a clone of your dog. So, the company, at least during the recession, and so the company didn't quite work out at that time, and that's when I moved on to Craigslist um, to, uh, you know, find weird, odd jobs for video editing and stuff, and that's kind of how I got connected with the world of Jejun. But I don't know, before that, I was... Um, a longer story and I could follow it up in a different um, podcast or something but before even dog cloning I was um, I was in something called a rodeo well this, this is what I called it you know, the rodeo narc which was I would go around to all the rodeos in California and basically take photographs of like tobacco advertisements for somebody I don't know how but I ended up spending like years just going to all of these rodeos, not having known much about rodeos uh, at the time. And so, I don't know, I just had a really lucky predilection for like crawling into bizarre <laughs> um, topics and opportunities. Um, and wow. I think I think most people do in the world as well. I'm not like trying to uh, give any unsolicited advice, but it's like when you hear of something very strange, you know, uh, and maybe uncomfortable, you know, maybe don't run away from it right off the bat and start kind of investigating it. Um, but sometimes these things just come right out of the blue. I had a had a friend recently who's a recruiter call me and ask, um, hey, do you know anybody who'd be interested in moving into a mansion at Beverly Hills and being the caretaker for a very, very wealthy but sick, physically sick individual. Um, and, you know, you basically live there, and it's just kind of like right off the bat, I'm thinking of like Sunset Boulevard. Dude, yes, or, yes, yes. And, I, you know, if I, were, if I were a younger gen, maybe I would have done it myself. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't. <laughs> but it's just sometimes these weird things come, come together and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just um, just gotta kind of follow that. I, it's almost cliche to keep using the term rabbit hole, you know. But you gotta follow kind of the bloodhound scent, I guess, of, of crazy. Well, in 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 it, you know, it's interesting because 
a, a lot of times with, with that goes along with that is not necessarily a practical mind. What one might think is a, is a practical mind. Playing it safe, playing by the rules. Um, that What usually goes along with that is a very daring, um, you know, a visionary. Someone who, who, who investigates on the fringes. Someone who carves their own paths through the forest. They're not, they're not looking for a pre, you know, ready-made... Um, uh, road or or dirt path. They're they're ready. Just they're they got the machete. They're they're carving their own way through this thing. And um, sort of the person who follows their heart or follows the 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 call, the inspiration. And yeah, that's where you're gonna f <laughs> that you're by doing that you're inviting in all kinds of uh, bedazzling things. I it's so interesting because I don't I don't know anyone who is practical uh, minded who just lives a very safe normal life. I don't know of any of those people who have very much adventure in their lives. Uh, because they're not willing, yeah. you know, they're not willing to really go into it. But, you know, the, the other side of the sword there is, is that, you know, um, I don't, like, I've never been diagnosed with anything, but, you know, and I think everybody deals with a certain level of, like, anxiety and depression, and, and in my own case, maybe, maybe potentially one day, like, I have some kind of mild bipolar thing or, or something where I have these extreme highs and extreme lows and when I'm on the extreme highs then it becomes like almost obsessive and uh, and I don't know some, every now and then I, I wish that I could uh, be a little bit more just centered and balanced but then I, I ask you well if I was I don't know I don't know if I would have um, had the energy during the highs to it's interesting it kind of goes along with that phrase you know you always hear that phrase it's so crazy it just might work or uh or dan Aykroyd yeah. was famous for one of his quotes he goes uh wouldn't that be funny if you know it's like one of those type of things where it's like like, wouldn't that be funny if we did this? Oh, yeah, that would be funny. And wouldn't that be funny if we did that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so you just kind of follow the, the humor of, of you like, wouldn't that be funny if this this led to down some strange rabbit hole? Yeah, let's go see what that's all about. And uh, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times, Kurt, I've had in my life people be like, we get high or something and, and like come up with like a funny idea and like three months later uh, the people that I was around when we came up with it they're like you know are you really still like on that are you still doing that and it's, it's like uh-huh yep, yep yeah um, a good example is like the musical that I wrote with about 9-11 yes you know uh which unfortunately we were going to perform in fringe um and had everything ready to go we had the theater we had the cast we had the crew everything and then Unfortunately, the Hollywood French Festival closed down because of COVID, you know, and so that's why when we were talking before the call about just sort of like, I wish I could be um, as creative and enthusiastic as I have been, but it really is true that right now a lot of like opportunities are a little bit more dried up, and with that has come kind of like a little bit of sadness, and actually it's you know what it's really become is like kind of this moment of introspection where I'm trying to like learn how to, um, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but, but, um, how to stay positive and creative in the time of COVID. Um, and it's been a challenge because I do feed off of like the energy of other people and, and, you know, like, uh, but 
there's the other quote you were, you were mentioning some quotes like the other quote I always love is the Hunter something quote like when the going gets weird the weird turns pro <laughs> uh, uh, which has always been been really something <laughs> I've liked but when the going gets dark and really depressing and brutal you know I don't know if the dark turns pro in other words what I'm getting at is like COVID in some ways has actually been it's been really dark for the amount of death that's happened uh, and also like the amount of just divisiveness that have come out of people not wanting to wear a mask you know that but that stuff kind of trivial however then like when when everything with George Floyd happened like that's just so unbelievably depressing and and dark that it's not it's not weird <laughs> it, it's horrible and and that so I guess the quote from Hunter Thompson is like it, it's not like when the going gets horrible the horrible turn pro you know weird is kind of this nebulous term um, so I don't know it's kind of on a weird rant there just now but <laughs> Yeah, well, it's interesting because it's, I mean, it's its all of what you've said encompasses all of what you said. And it's like, it, it really, during these times, we are definitely faced with those decisions. It is that, that crossroad of going, okay, how, okay, how am I going to react to this? How long am I going to require myself to continue reacting to this, you know, and feel, and carrying around this kind of feeling whatever it is how long am I going to require myself to carry around that feeling until I feel it's been an adequate amount of time and it, it, it until I believe that it's time to move on you know to feeling uh that giving myself permission to feel happy or joyful or excited about yep. something without guilt um without worry um um, that someone's going to call me out and go, well, you're not grieving enough, or you, you should be upset more about that. Or, you know, it's interesting because yep. each of those crossroads, because as, as that other great quote goes, no matter where you go, there you are. So yep. um, since we are required to hang out with, you know, you're the only one required to hang out with yourself every single millimoment of every, all, all the time. So, um, so that mindset is so hugely important uh, wherever you happen to go with that guy that's in your brain. So, um, it's, it's interesting because, um, sometimes I think about this, like with, with art, we always hear about the, how romantic it is to be that tortured artist and, and that somehow art has got to be, you know, so much more valuable because I, I went through so much trauma while I was creating this art. Well, I, I feel that art doesn't have to be torturous and it's okay for art to be playful and excited, you know, filled with excitement along the way. And 1000% Kurt, I was actually just about to go like down this exact path that you were talking where there are the two schools of thought where it's like the best art comes out of the period of darkest times. And maybe there's some truth to that, but I actually kind of feel like some of the biggest like cultural shifts, uh, come out of periods of, of kind of stability um, a little bit and uh, like I don't know the biggest cultural shifts but I, I can think about like uh, if you think about uh, like the 1950s and remember like the late 1950s and even I feel like in a lot of ways the 50s really uh, went into the mid 60s you know um, and then there's the thing where like the 60s didn't start till the 70s but that's <laughs> like there there seems to be this like stasis 
where we had repressed a whole bunch of really important cultural issues that were happening in the world in the late 50s, like post-war, baby booms happening. But let's not talk about racism. You know, let's not talk about gay rights. Like, under the rug. Like, let's not talk about, um, you know, depression or uh, PTSD. Like, everything is stable. It's fine. And with that comes this bubbling up of, um, of like, emotions, <coughs> like, and, and human um, experimentation and expression that then gives us, um, you know, the civil rights movement and psychedelia and uh, hippies and, like, really, like, the counterculture, which I think is, is really amazing, where when you try to suppress anything, you know, for every action, there's an equal but opposite reaction. And I, I kind of see that a little bit, too, where it's like, in some ways, I think initially early on, with COVID, there was, um, it was actually kind of a bizarre, I think for a lot of people, not, I'm not speaking to them, this is just my own personal opinion, but I think for a lot of people when COVID first happened, uh, it was like, okay, I can actually like sit down and like kind of think about myself for a minute. I'm not saying that we were in a moment of stability, but what it allowed, I think, is a moment of introspection uh, about like, all right, well, what are, what is, what is society going through? And then all of a sudden, we see this resurgence of this, this issue that's happened in our country forever, but we've been busy or prioritized with other things, um, which was, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, which is like so amazing and so incredible. And I think that that moment of stability or quiet enabled us to sit back and be like, how can we improve the world we live in and how can we create real change? And so, again, these are just personal opinions, um, but I think after these moments of stability or like quiet, I guess, um, we have moments that really shape uh, the world and hopefully in a way make it a better place when we get through it. Last example would be kind of the 90s were a period of a lot of like, you know, stability, at least economic, where we didn't really talk about ourselves in the U.S. And, you know, we had gotten through at the very beginning the Gulf War and the fall of the Berlin Wall. It was all like very, very um, uh, kind of calm. We got Bill Clinton and, you know, whatever about what you think about the Clintons and blah, blah, blah. But the idea was like everything was kind of just easy and quiet. And we didn't like to question what we were doing until, you know, 9-11 and realizing that 9-11 was kind of, uh, I mean, people that did it were obviously monsters, but it was like, oh, why did they do this? They did this because of XYZ that was the byproduct of our like, stability and quiet um, during the 90s. So that's my just long, long-winded way of saying, I don't know whether you need to be a tortured artists or live in a very volatile period to create great art because I think when you're living in those periods there's more not that there's more important things to do but I think in at least for myself my head is not in the space of trying to create play it's trying to make the world a better place for people who are you know underrepresented or persecuted in any way it's interesting it's been said that in it's been, it's interesting how it's been said that in times of um, 
you know, even when there are um, recessions, depressions, all that type of stuff, um, entertainment is still something that people are willing to spend money on because it, it kind of helps them get out of the slump. It helps them uh, rejuvenate their imagination. Um, it, gi- it gives them the opportunities to see just how powerful they are, just as a, just as a, a, a um, well, I mean, if, if we're to go along with the idea that we are all creators and that we all, you know, come from, you know, we're all pieces of the, of the limitless, infinite um, universe, um, and we're all part of that consciousness, if we are to play with that idea and that we have those, those uh, possibilities of creating our, our reality experiences, our personal reality experiences that, that best um, help us out, what's interesting is then we realize that um, time that is not spent on helping ourselves become the best version of ourselves is time that is spent being distracted by something else, is time that right. is spent um, not, not, lo- not really looking at the core of who we are and figuring out how to make, make it shine brighter. And it's, it's interesting because with, with this whole aspect here, um, with the pandemic, people were, you know, we've, we've heard a lot about people going to the, you know, they're like, oh, I've seen everything on Netflix. Oh gosh, there's nothing more. And, and then we, we see all these entertainment outlets, you know, uh, talk show hosts now have to do it from their own bedrooms or their own, you know, the kitchens and whatnot. So then what's interesting is that there are, there are multitudes of, of all kinds of interesting things that are happening here. There's the idea of how media does not have to be as slick and, 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 uh, uh, expensive and overly produced as we've been taught and brainwashed to believe in the past. Uh, the other beautiful thing is is that we've heard this so many times it levels the playing field for those creators who are on Instagram or TikTok who are creating out of their bedrooms who are so well versed in that and know their ways around these apps and know how to edit this stuff so much better than let's say some of these talk show hosts who are used to just being a talk show uh, a talking head on some program and they let the other techies take care of all the other stuff. We'll let them take care of the production well you know when the going goes lo-fi the lo-fi turn pro yeah exactly and so (laughs) it's really interesting because through this um through you know all of the education that that everyone is you know giving each other about race or you know whatever whatever their particular um passion is that they want to be teaching at that moment what's also coming out of this is the opportunity of education on you know, guess what? We we are these infinite beings. We are this consciousness that is a part of this ever-expanding universe. We, you know, how do we allow it to speak better through us? How do we allow it to take the driver's seat rather than being um, um, overly critical on, on ourselves or um, perfection-minded? Um, how can we sit back in the driver's uh, sit back and kind of let the process unfold, kind of in a Bob Ross uh, way, um, yeah. in a David Lynch way? You know, how do we <laughs> how do we embrace those happy accidents and and go? You know what? I you know well, let's make a tree out of that instead of a, a bird or something. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That's a, a great way to. I think that's a great way to put it. It's inc- it's incredible to see just like what kind of information that's that's being given this opportunity now, rather than flipping on um, the news stations or the or or the other media that's all squawking the t- same type of thing. And in a lot of a lot of cases, 
contradictory to what the other sources are saying. So it really muddies up the waters for people to go, okay, who should I listen to? Or what, you know, what facts should I uh, uh, memorize? Because these people over here are saying the one thing, these people are saying this, okay, who's, you know. And then eventually I think people get tired of that and they go, okay, it all just washes itself out. I'm going to go, you know, to <laughs> to um, applications of, of, of okay, this the, here's this quantum here's this quantum mechanics thing that I'm watching on uh, TikTok right now. Oh, okay, and they're telling me that I can participate in 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 the way that my own reality experience is unfolding for me. Okay, well let me test it out. Let's see what happens. And as people do that, they start realizing, holy cow, I'm the best media entertainment that I ever that I ever you know realized because I'm creating yeah. my own reality experience here. This is crazy, and it's just yeah. been so exciting to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know where we're going to go in the future. Uh, I'd love to like, find a good futurologist and, and get their take on things. I, and I'm not trying to get political in any way, but I, I'm very curious like what direction the world goes come you know, early November uh, and like what that means for society in the future and for art and creation. Um, you know, I, I, like taking it back to docs, you know, I, I've never really thought of myself as somebody who is skilled at, at making like a true social issue film or like there are so many really, really talented documentary filmmakers out there and, you know, my, my next project that I'd like to do is about dog cloning, which I think is like a, a really interesting story about what it means to play God or what it means to lose and, and what it means to... to suffer and grieve when you lose something. I think that those are, are potentially timeless themes. But, you know, depending on how the future goes, maybe I need to put my my powers to, to something else. Um, I don't know. Um, I just don't know. Well, um, I would say that you've made socially conscious creations. I mean, I would say that um, it, it, we don't have to be screaming and yelling some kind of uh, some kind of message t for it to really work on people. I mean, the, the socially conscious issues that you've created in your movies is the idea of the importance of collaboration, of seeing um, each other's talents and passions and figuring out how to bring them together, how to solve yeah. uh, puzzles, which to me is a huge, is a huge thing. That's, that's what's being taught to us in Sesame Street. That's what's being taught to us in Mr. Rogers. These are all yeah. things that are hugely important that... Um, if if we start at that as a basis, because that's a that's a hugely spiritual and cosmic thing right there is is collaboration is cooperation. Um, that's kind of how the natural unfolding of the universe already is. It it collaborates with each other. It it, it works with each other. Um, you don't hear the one tree telling the other tree, "Well, I'm better than you because I'm taller than you," or you know, "I make apples and you only make you know uh, flowers." You know, it's so it's. You're you're making socially conscious issues um, in in extraordinary ways, in ways where it really really matters because um, people need to learn how to work with each other. Um, and I don't I don't think an, an, a megaphone is necessary to do that. Um, I don't think uh, screaming and yelling and you know I don't think that's necessary. Um, a lot of times the most gentlest, playful. Um, uh, mediums that, that are presented uh, are the most effective. I mean, look at just the Giving Tree by by Shel Silverstein. 
uh, stories like that can really knock you on your ass. You're going, whoa, wow, that teaches you about, you know, it's reciprocation rather than just take, 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 take. Um, it's teaching about give, give and take, and um, that coexistence. So I would say you're making some very socially conscious, you know, issues, and, um, you know, and, and you're following your heart. You know, that's what we're all here to do, is to follow our hearts and to be the best version of ourselves. And, um, you know, that's that's phenomenal, and that's hugely important right there. That's that's beautiful. Yeah. What you've done with... I, I mean, mean I, I feel like you're, you're doing the same. I mean, even just with this podcast, it's not your band or your art or, you know, the Instagram uh, stories that you're doing. Like, I think, I think you're doing the same, and I... I really respect it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for saying that. Uh, I think when people see that other people are, are following their passions and they're doing it in, in an authentic way where um, there, there's not a showboat of showboating, you know, ego-driven uh, uh, modus operandi at hand. I think when people see that someone is just so fully enjoying a vision that's coming to them and they're following it, that lights up the... That lights up that... Uh, that spiritual being within them that lights them up and they go you know what i'm inspired now to go do that i'm inspired and it's beautiful because yeah. that's the inspiration that that makes the world go around and um you know eventually people turn them you know tune out when there's a lot of screaming and yelling they're like okay okay there's just so okay i'm just gonna tune out to this um i'm one of them you know right me too me too. And there was something my dad told me when I was a little kid, and, I, and it always has stuck with me. I didn't really realize the full full impact of this till years later, but I remember I, I had my uh, this uh, G.I. Joe Jeep, and I was trying to put this machine gun on the Jeep, and I was like, yeah. And he goes, Kurt, be careful. If, if you force it, it will break. And sure enough, I'm like, no, Dad, it's... And I broke it. I ended up breaking it. So I realized, wow, that that metaphor, if you force it, it will break, that fits on so many things. It's relationships. Yeah. It's art. It's anything. You try to push your body too hard, you're going to end up with a with a hernia. You're going to end up with a, yeah. a, a broken ankle. You're going to end up with, you know, ways that... Like, look, man, you pushed yourself to the limit. But when you follow a calling, when you follow a passion, when you're not out to prove something to the world, like, oh, I got to prove to the world how cool I am. When you're not out to prove to the world and you're just simply following the calling, ooh, that is far more effective in so many ways. Because you're not trying to go, hey, everybody, look how cool I am. Look how, you know, in your face. It's about just showing a reality that's there and people go oh my god that's astounding you guys did it with with the institute look how it inspired so many people it inspired dispatches from elsewhere now that inspired this whole other thing that you guys <laughs> never intended when you set out to make uh the oh, institute totally. Uh, yeah totally the idea that yeah the idea that it was gonna you know have people from around the world meeting each other and, and connecting and forming relationships has been Yes, yes, and it's beautiful because it's like it's showing it's showing people, um, uh, you know. There's that aspect of showing without telling. You guys are actually showing what happens when great minds come together to solve these mysteries, and then and then you're showing the excitement of what happens when you activate your imagination and when you play with that right brain, and you know the universe plays back. The universe plays back. What what better? 
um, ally to have than the entire universe. When you go, hey, universe, guess what? I'm inviting you into the conversation here. I'm inviting you into playing in my reality experience. And the universe goes, wow, okay, let us let me really show you what I can do. And it's, oof, it just feels so good. It feels so good. And, you know, it's the difference between someone going, here's a problem, here's a problem, here's a problem, here's a problem. Okay, wow, thank you so much. Oh, well, you should have done this, you should have done that, you should have done this, you should have done that. Wow, thank you for the time travel advice. Wow, thank you. You know, it's the critics who have the luxury of being the critics because the the, the, the movie or the book or um, even if it's a sports critic, it's like, wow, th thank you for critiquing on what I should have done. But were you in the field, sir? Were you in the field being chased down by the p people while I had the football in my hand and I'm running for the goal? Were you there? Did you see the guy? You know, uh, easy for you to say, man. But it's yeah. it's like when you go, here's a way to solve something. Oh, and look what happens here when we when we connect these dots. Ooh, and look how good this happens with minimal effort. Look what happens when we connect these dots. Ooh, doesn't that feel good? You know, and that and that just gets people addicted into wanting to solve things more into putting more more uh, pieces together. Um, there's such a great feeling that comes when when you uh, when you connect those Lego pieces together, and before you know it, you got a Lego castle, and you're going, holy cow, that was fun. That was fun. I think what's so great too is the fact that as you're following these passions and following these these inspirations, um, you know, it's, it, sometimes it's harder to be in the driver's seat. As it's always been said, it's harder to be in the driver's seat and really see the effect that you're doing um, with stuff because you're 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 in it. You're in the middle of of carving the path. You know, you, sometimes you really don't necessarily see how far you've come. Um, from when you started carving it and now okay you've built the village you know but how often do we stop there and go wow look at that path that I you know so many years ago look look what brought me from there to here um, so it's it's tricky to see um, the effect we have on the populace and the crazy thing is um, we, we never really know um, we, we might think that we're going in a wrong direction and we might think that you know uh, what we're creating is not not affecting uh, social change or, or or lighting up hearts the way that maybe we intended. Uh, um, however, 
we, we never can see how uh, all the unintended ways that we are Absolutely. lighting up those hearts and making those people, you know, open up. It's, it's, it's something like this, like the fact that the Institute has, has... Okay, so there was the stage of the the people who are involved with that. Okay, so there, there's all of that unintended consequence. Then there was the creation of the editing of the Institute of Movie. And then there was that was now out there in the world. And then there was there, then there was that aspect of how that whole story was now going to affect people. Then there was the effect of, okay, now this person comes along, he's so inspired by this, to now make a TV show and, and rename it called Dispatches from Elsewhere. Then there was the unknown effects of how th that TV show series was going to inspire people. Now, now we see how this is inspiring those people. Now we don't know how their inspirations are going to be inspiring other people. And it's like, gosh, it's it's so incredible to see those original vibes of insp inspiration that you guys had are still contained. Those seeds are still contained within this forest that has grown. Like you guys had dropped off these seeds like a Johnny Appleseed and... Little did you realize, in the ways, the magnitudes in which it would grow, and the fruit that it was bearing for all these other people, and they go, mm, that's so delicious and nutritious, that's activating my mind now. Had this TV show or had that movie not existed, you know? Yeah, and I think for every, you know, 3,000 uh, apple trees we plant, there's probably one that accidentally falls on someone's bicycle or smashes it, um, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and... Yeah, I mean, no matter what, you can't, you know, as as uh, in the old Batman, uh, Jack Nicholson, he goes, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. And so in in any decision we're making, there there is, you know, unknown amounts of toes that we might accidentally be stepping on. Um, and who's to say that the person who's saying, hey, you're stepping on my toes, actually means that, or if they're being sarcastic, especially in this day and age, um, or if they're choosing to be offended because they want to look good in the light of someone else so they can be like, hey, look at this jerk, you know, look what he did and he hurt my feelings. So it's like, we, you know, there's just no, there's no way of knowing. But but the best way, I would say, is, is the best way is definitely to not just sit on a couch and not do anything at all um, and, and just grow moss on us and, and just sit there and... Uh, and not do anything with these amazing talents that have been given to us, because yeah. um, it's uh, it's just it's just so great to be able to to be able to express ourselves, put the vibes out there, especially when our intention is is something that's good and something that's honest and something that's authentic. Um, in the creations that I've seen. Um, which, by the way, I love the fact that In Bright Axiom is now out there in the world for people to, be, to see. Because um, that project, I mean, when you had those people long ago that, that were interviewed for it, how long ago was that? That was about four years ago. <laughs> wow. I can't believe it. Yeah, most of them. I mean, I've been working on it, editing, going back, refilming uh, for the last, yeah, for the last three to four years. But we, well... Mm-hmm. 
sure. So then how long did it take for you to edit all of that? Uh, I mean, once everybody sort of went through the program, um, you know, uh, being, you know, being involved with that, that little village that you guys set up out there, um, from the point of them staying there, uh, you know, and you filming it and then, and then you editing it is, are, are you saying that the whole thing was, was, what'd you say? Four years? Um, three to four years, I'd say. Um, it, it, I mean, not non-stop or anything. Uh, you know, you still have to have a, a day job. So, if it had been non-stop, it probably would have been a lot quicker. Uh, that said, I, I like to shoot and edit while I'm going. I have, you know, very detailed outlines and questionnaires of, of what, what I want to capture during the interviews, and I have an outline of where I believe, at least chronologically, what the events are. And so I edit as I shoot, which gives me much more of an organic way to do trial and error. Wow. Uh, yeah. And Kirst, I'm so sorry, but I, I actually got to get prepped for to head out in a second, but I, I'm more than happy to continue chatting tomorrow. Um, if you're around. Sure, sure. Thank, dude, yeah, thank you so much for, for hanging out. And and, uh, and once I get all the details, descriptions down on this thing and I upload this, I'll definitely give you the link and I'll be Great. you know promoting it out there in the world. And thank you so much for giving me the insight and the behind the scenes and just, just being as, as inspiring as you are, man. Thank you so much, Spencer. This has been so cool. All right, I'll talk soon. All right, cool. Take care. Bye. Bye. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, Spencer McCall. Holy cow, check out In Bright Axiom is out now. Check out The Institute. Check out Dispatches from Elsewhere. Check out this stuff. Uh, and if you want to see other interesting short films by Spencer McCall, he's got a Vimeo. So you can see his, his really crazy uh, short films and music videos. And you'll, you'll, love, you'll love his, uh, his, his, uh, his uh, comedy. He's very, very, very bright, very bright fellow. Thanks for listening. This is Blythe Baines, and you're listening to Inspirato Projecto.